Hello and welcome to Language U, a podcast about language, literacy, and multilingualism, among other things, in higher education. I'm Joel Hanghartsey, your host, coming to you from the Center for English Language Learning, Teaching, and Research at Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, British Columbia. John Paul Sartre wrote, What is writing? Why does one write? For whom? The fact is, it seems that nobody has ever asked himself these questions. Of course, many of us have asked ourselves these questions. But what is writing? Can you really answer that question? Could you come up with a program of research that could answer it? Could you assemble a panel of people wide-ranging enough to represent every discipline and approach that would attempt an answer? Could you come up with a definition of writing that a linguist, a poet, a teacher, a rhetorician, a novelist, a literary critic, a critical theorist, a philosopher, an editor, a journalist, an anthropologist, a computer programmer, a comic book artist, a calligrapher, a college student, a Bible translator, a blind person, a graffiti artist, a three-year-old child learning to form the letters of his name, and an MFA professor would agree on? Would it even be worth it to try? Why not? My guest today is Erica Thorkelson, who works at the Writing Center at Emily Carr University of Art and Design in Vancouver. Erica is a freelance writer who lives in Vancouver, whose work has appeared in The Walrus, Hazlitt, The New Quarterly, Salon, The Huffington Post, and Quill and Choir, among many other outlets. She also writes about arts and culture for the Vancouver Sun and holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of British Columbia. She's also the host of The Storytelling Show on Vancouver Co-op Radio. But what we're talking about today is her work as both a sessional instructor and a professional writing tutor at Emily Carr. What I was curious about and what I wanted to talk to Erica about today is the relationship between creative writing and academic writing. Is there a connection between creative and academic writing? As someone whose professional life involves both worlds, Erica's done a lot of thinking about this, and you're going to want to stick around to hear what she has to say. Today, our guest, or my guest, I should say, is Erica Thorkelson, who works in the Writing Center at Emily Carr University of Art and Design here in Vancouver. Um, And Erica does work that I think is interesting to those of us who work with language and writing in higher education because she works at an institution that's a little bit unique among higher education institutions. So, Erica, could you tell us a little bit about kind of um, what your institution is and then what you specifically do within the context of the Writing Center there? Okay, so Emily Carr University of Art and Design is um, an institution uh, dedicated to um, art and design. It's uh, it's fairly straightforward. Um, we we have two general streams. We have students who are focused on art making um, in all in many many forms, and then we have a stream that is focused on design. And they have very different ways of talking. Um, we also have uh, two masters programs: um, masters of art, uh, applied arts, and then masters of design. Um, and so my job at the Writing Center, uh, recently anyways, has focused on uh, working with uh, the graduate level students um, and sort of uh, helping them to develop their thesis and and work on writing about their own work. Okay, and then I think you also mentioned earlier when we were talking that you you teach, I don't know if it's considered a writing course, but I'm interested in kind of the landscape of writing at Mm -hmm. the institution. So you have the Writing Center, which obviously you guys, I know, do a lot of work with a, a large cross-section of students there. Um, what is the kind of 100-level course that you're involved with there? So I teach um, a 100-level uh, humanities class that is 
Um, it's attached to an art history lecture. So my students attend an art history lecture, three-hour art history lecture once a week, and then I teach um, what's called what we call an intensive section. So that's for students who um, maybe struggled in uh, high school or uh, come from a, a, a different language background. I work with a lot of English language lear learners, um, and we uh, meet six hours a week to work on sort of uh, the beginnings of academic thought and then r uh, academic writing. So basic essay writing, we do exhibition essays, and we also introduce them to the different genres of writing that are required at Emily Carr, um, which are things like artist proposals, um, artist statements, which is a really unique genre of writing, um, writing about your own art. Um, and so a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the work is sort of partly academic, but also partly exploratory, um, and just getting people comfortable with writing as a form of expression. The fact that you're doing really genre-specific things is really interesting. And I wonder, do the students, I mean, for some of them, it must all be quite foreign to them, right? Yeah, the kind of writing that we do is in some ways related to what they might have learned in high school if they came uh, through a, a Western Canadian context, but um, then we branch off into different, uh, yeah, different kinds of writing that they have probably never encountered before and are really uncomfortable on some levels. Um, if you're an artist being asked to write about your own work, no matter how strong of a writer you are to begin with, that's that's a scary concept. Um, and and so, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's really interesting, and then on top of that, there's the there's the students who come from a different um, language background, who come from a different pedagogical background, who aren't um, really used to uh, thinking about their own uh, work or their own identity critically, um, because they just haven't been asked to before in in different schools. So so it's kind of juggling all of those different needs of different students, particularly in the intensive classes. We have shorter um, three hours a week uh, sort of non-intensive classes for students who have more of a strong academic background. Um, but I love teaching the intensive classes because, I mean, how, how many places and how many times in your life you're going to get to spend six hours a week just having a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention. We have very low, like it's a 15 person awesome. max yeah. class. Yeah. So I get to spend a lot of time working one-on-one -on -one with the students on their writing. And we do this, you know, we do the MLA style formatting. We do all of that. Um, we, uh, you know, learn how to write a good thesis and build an argument. Yeah. But we also do a lot of creative, uh, a lot of creative work and a lot of explorative uh, exploratory writing yeah. that I think wouldn't be possible in a faster class. Tell me a little bit more about that creative aspect, because I would imagine that most people, at most students who come to an art school are primed for, I'm here to do creative stuff. How does that transfer into the writing? Are some of them comfortable with it? Do some of them struggle with it? Like, mm -hmm. where does that aspect of creativity and art artiness, artfulness, <laughs> uh, how does that come across in the way writing is maybe taught and practiced? Different for different students. I mean, um, y you know, somebody coming in to do interaction design would be very much like a student going in to do, um, you know, science at a regular university. Um, so they are c maybe coming from a place where they're not really comfortable with expressing themselves creatively. But then you have students who they have these minds that are just like they're just ready to express themselves in creative ways and and in a sense um sometimes my job is to actually like 
hold them down a little <laughs> bit. Uh, you, you you need to have paragraphs. <laughs> you need to you need to use punctuation. Right. You know, like it's uh, it takes. Um, it, it, it almost breaks my heart sometimes to have to be like, this is a really cool prose poem you've written. Now let's talk about how an essay works. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they are, they are um, pretty ready to have conversations that are creative um, and, and to think of writing. Once you make the argument for them that writing is another, can be another medium like ceramics or like uh, paint or, you know, oil paint. Once, you're, once you've made that argument, a lot of them are ready to start doing it. But again, it's a lot of breaking down fear because um, I think students who are really good at art in high school, um, a lot of them don't come from a place where writing felt like art. Where writing for them, writing is sort of a punishment, whereas doodling or drawing is fun. So if I can, like in my class, we do a lot of free writing. We do free writing every class, um, sometimes more than once a class. And part of that for for me is um, just getting them comfortable with the idea that. Uh, getting words down on the paper, on pages, on the page, can be the same as doodling, you know, anime characters in your notebook, yeah. which a lot of my students do. <laughs> so cool. Um, and uh, if I can make that argument for them and if I can get them there, I've seen students um, progress very quickly, especially students that come from a stricter pedagogical background. Mm. I've seen them progress very quickly in, in their the speed at which they can produce writing, so that helps them in a test situation. You know, an art history um, exam, we just did one, uh, is literally sit down and write a full page about this slide on the wall, like anything that you can think of that's important. And so just getting them to be able to do that um, requires a fair amount of warm-up, a fair amount of practice. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 cool. It's cool once you can once you can get them there to see to see them improve over the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you talk about um, like students being afraid of writing, and I I've noticed that too. And and it was hard for me. I I wonder if you're the same. I think many of us who end up teaching writing get into it because we really like it. We think it's really cool and fun, mm -hmm. and maybe for some of us it's easy. <laughs> um, and then we find find ourselves facing students. One of my colleagues the other day said, "You know, I feel like students used to be afraid of math, but." Nowadays, I think they're afraid of writing, you know, because um, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like there are rules that they're not sure about or there are, or like you said, it's, um, uh, you know, drawing or art. Well, that's, that's, I can just do, I can just be me. I can just be creative. But with writing, there's somebody telling me you have to do this format and you have to, um, mm -hmm. you know, use this citation style and all these different things. And so I, I can imagine how it might feel really restrictive to someone at first, even though for me, it was the opposite. It was, this is how I express myself and this is cool. Now I'm terrible at drawing actually. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's different for everybody, I guess. But, yeah. um, I am interested in this link between kind of, um, um, uh, kind of your own or a writing teacher's own interest in writing mm -hmm. um, and kind of how what happens when they bring that to their the place they're working in and I know that you said you have some you know your background also involves your own writing mm -hmm. as well so maybe 
talk a little bit about that and maybe how that kind of ends up informing the sort of work you do at, at Emily Carr. For sure. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have a master's of fine arts and creative writing uh, from UBC. And uh, I have a, a writing practice. I'm a freelance journalist, and I, I write some fiction, and, um, and I love writing. And, yeah, for me, writing was always easy. It was always the easiest part of school. And uh, like the the only time writing was hard was when somebody had expectations that didn't match with mine. Because right. <laughs> I, I really knew what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And, you know, that doesn't always line up. Right. Um, but yeah, for me in university, I knew I could write an essay, uh, you know, at like 10 o'clock the night before and get at least a B, <laughs> B plus, sometimes there, yes. better. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I had a, a very unrealistic view of how uh, writing <laughs> process worked. Um, but then through uh, through working with writing centers, during grad school I worked um, at the UBC uh, Writing Center, um, I began to pick apart my own process and to see um, how to articulate that to other people in a way that's less intimidating, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, my own writing practice has changed through working with uh, through working with artists, through working at writing centers, because um, I've I've finally been forced to articulate it in ways I wasn't even really forced to do in grad school. Yeah. Like, I I spent a lot of time writing in grad school, but it always felt I mean I don't know writing fiction is terrifying <laughs> because you writing nonfiction for me is really natural and really easy. Um, not easy. That's a lie. It's not easy. It's just natural. But um, writing fiction is terrifying because the parameters are so wide I open. I know you just make it up. Like how? Where it does up. it come from? It, 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 <laughs> so that requires a lot of self trust, right? It requires, and it also requires a trust that you can make it better later. Um, we were talking uh, during one of our meetings just this last week at the Writing Center. Um, we had a little presentation from the designers who work with us, a couple of uh, tutors who are also design students, and they were talking about the design process, and um, they had this really great illustration of what's called the fuzzy front end. Okay. And that is um, basically, you get a design problem, you get an assignment from uh, a company or something, and they're like, make a better toaster, and you're like, I don't know anything about toasters. <laughs> like, what do people want from toasters? Yeah. Is, this, is this a color thing? Like, I don't even know it. And the illustration was just like a squiggle, like a like a tangled squiggle of lines. And then the process of design was about um, sort of straightening out that mm -hmm. line and and getting it to a point where you knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that that's very much like my writing process. It's like a lot of people's writing process. But that fuzzy front end is terrifying. Right. Unless you know it's going to pass. Yeah. Right? All the more so for students who don't come in with that same whatever feeling that it's natural or that they like it. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's just that you're faced with that tangle and you have no way to untangle it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't even necessarily trust yourself enough to know that you will eventually know the answer to this. Um, it just feels like a tangle. And uh, so unpacking that has been useful for me um, in my writing process because it's helped me to understand my own tools and trust them, but it's also helped me to articulate that to students. Um, and, and that part of knowing that you're going to untangle that is trusting your own creativity and trusting your intuition. I think of writing as an act of empathy, mm. in a sense. Like, mm. all, all writing is understanding the needs of the reader and then figuring out how to, like, how to give them what 
they need in order to follow you along your process of thinking. Uh -huh. And that's true whether you're writing a poem or uh, a short story or an argumentative essay or a, um, you know, a, a dissertation on uh, microbiology. Like, it, I think if you, if you move away from thinking of writing as um, something other than maybe communication, mm. um, then, then yeah, it seems really confusing and uncertain and scary. Um, I do, uh, in order to help my students feel better, I do try to draw on the board as much as possible, mm. and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and so, like, demonstrating that I'm bad, I'm creative, but I'm bad at drawing, uh, helps them to feel, I think, I hope, or just laugh at me. Right. Which also breaks the, you know, lowers the, the, uh, the affective filter a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, but creativeness, like, creativity, I think everybody's capable of it in, in one way or another. It's, um, and I, I also resist the idea that it's something that can, that it in and of itself is something that can be taught. Like, not that, not that, um, I think creativity is just part of, of being aware of the needs of other people and, and finding innovative ways to fulfill that. And I mean, that's uh, not just a, an art thing. That's, right. That's, that's a problem solving thing. Totally. That's, yeah. um, that's just part of how the human brain works, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Is that, if that oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so what kind of problems, or well, maybe problems is the wrong word, but um, when a student comes to you, you mentioned that you work mostly with graduate students mm. um, in, in the writing center there. Um, what are they coming to you with? Like, mm. what are their needs? What are their what are their struggles? What are their um, uh, what you know, what tends to be the typical or maybe there is no typical one. But what do you what do you talk about when a grad student comes to you? Uh, well, I mean, grad students are around for two years, which is really cool because I can follow them through their whole process. We have um, a number of grad students who are international students, so they are also coming in with uh, language learning issues of one degree or another. So um, in the beginning of a grad degree, often I'll work with the students just on some, a lot of, a lot of times on responding to readings because art writing is so difficult. Um, it's difficult for a, for someone who's been speaking English all their lives, but it's so much more difficult for so, for someone who's coming from another context. Um, you know, we um, art writers tend to use vocabulary in very creative and unpredictable ways, and we've we've joked a lot at at. Uh, the writing center about trying to make a dictionary for art speak. Oh, um, you should. That would be awesome. I think it would be impossible because once in a while, like you would run into someone who's just using a word in a way that no one else has used the word before, <laughs> and maybe right. it'll catch on in fifty years. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, but so I spend a lot of time working, particularly with the grad school students, because they're reading on such a high level, um, figuring out together what exactly their readings mean. Are, are they sorry to interrupt? But are they reading? Um, are they reading like art criticism, like yes. aesthetics scholars and things like that, or is it more? Uh, I, I I don't know what I'm asking here because I don't know a lot about this world. But yeah. are we talking more about high level kind of philosophy of aesthetics, or are we talking more about um, kind of uh, I don't know the art critic for the New York Times, or like or, you know? Um, High level aesthetics, um, high level critical theory. Um, uh, so you and and a lot of theorizing around art making, around art practice. Um, there's a lot of writing by artists, but also by um, art critics uh, that um, really 
interrogates the process of making and how creativity works, how um, I, I think a lot of like the first year grad um, in, in applied arts anyways are about identifying uh, the relationship between method and methodology and you know how ideas become artworks and then how and then the relationship between the viewer and the artwork and mm. yeah it's it's really complicated it's been fascinating for me to learn not coming from an art context um, and it's also really helpful for me to as I learn it to have to explain it to other people um, has helped me to understand it in ways that surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, and the designers will read a lot about design theory um, and, and like the, the sort of um, scientific process of design research, which is uh, a different kind of language entirely. It's, it's more of a, a scientific language. Uh, so that's the kind of reading that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you approach that then? Because I, I know one of the um, uh, debates that comes up around writing centers is this idea of sort of generalist tutoring versus kind of specialized tutoring. So yeah. because, you know, many people who work in writing centers don't have the, you know, we can't all have the disciplinary background of every mm. <laughs> field, of course. Um, so how um, you mentioned, you know, it's a learning process for you as well. Um, was that intimidating at first? Like, how do you how do you kind of deal with not necessarily like knowing as much as they do, but also having like being able to help them in some yeah. way. Yeah, it was hugely intimidating at first. Um, I was, I mean, I, I'm a pretty agile reader and I'm a pretty agile writer. Um, and that partly comes from my journalistic background. Like when you're, you know, when you're writing about, um, an, uh, when you're writing about an, an, uh, a kind of art, when you're, when you're taking on a new project, you always have to become a little bit of an expert in the writing process. So, um, I'm pretty good at that, but it, it, it's different to actually sit down and try to explain that to someone. Um, and and so it, it has taken me a while to get to a place where I can sort of confidently um, assert, uh, I, but I'm not an expert. I'm still not an expert, and I don't think I want to be an expert, because if I'm positioned as an expert, then I'm teaching them, and that's not really my goal as a tutor. I want to be discovering it with them, you know? I, I want them to be the experts, and, and then if I'm not an expert, um, if I'm still sort of a lay person in the in in um, art making, then it forces them to articulate their ideas in a way that will make sense outside of an art context. And not everybody is into that, but for me, I think. I think that's important, um, especially grad students who are going to go on and they're going to use this kind of writing to apply for grants. They're going to use this kind of writing to, um, y you know, throughout their process to write uh, for magazines maybe or periodicals and, and they're going to need to articulate themselves to people who are not necessarily high level art uh, theory people. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's good this way and I can step outside the document outside the, like when it comes to the actual thesis, I can step outside the document and I can see it as a piece of writing as opposed to a piece of art theory and then I can I can approach the mechanics of the writing as opposed to the subject itself totally yeah yeah the the knowledge sometimes gets in the way you know if you know too much about something you yeah. get caught up in the, the debate or the your own your own take on it or something it's like that. too so. easy to fill in the connections in your head and so you're not again you're you're moving away from like writing is communication. I teach a, a foundation humanities class and I am not an art history expert. We have people who are history, who are who are more knowledgeable about art history than I am who teach this class. Um, but I think um, 
I approach it very much like I've actually had to sit through a first year art history class twice now, mm -hmm. twice now, all the way through. Yeah, wow. So, um, and that was fascinating for me, but I'm still nowhere near an expert on those things. Um, I'm, but yeah, I'm able to, I'm able to write about these things and I'm able to, uh, like, I hope I'm able to help them to write about things. And um, yeah, it's like a dance, right? Um, on the one hand, I want them to know that I'm also not an expert in art history, but I also kind of want them to trust me. Right, yeah. So that's hard, right? It's a, it's hard to dance along that line, um, to, be conf to be confident in teaching and to be confident in leading discussions and things that I'm not necessarily an expert totally. in. Totally. I think there's this need for, I've, I'm realizing more and more the more I teach, like, you, uh, as much as sometimes some of us may not naturally want to do this, you actually do need to kind of project authority in mm -hmm. some way. Um, and, you know, some, some people shy away from this hierarchical thing or, or like, you know, I think when I started teaching, I was like, I just want to be like the fun teacher who's like your friend. And like, there's some, there's something to that. I want to, you know, you want to be approachable and, and kind to your students. But um, if you can't project some sense of authority, then they might not accept what you have to say, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's a fine line when you're not, as you say, when you're not like, I don't know. I, I think that's also especially true if you're a woman. Mm. Um, well, and like, right. I, I think identity politics and or like identity and teaching are wrapped up together. For sure. um, and, uh, and also, I mean, I've found that in working with graduate students as well. They're, they are high level um, professionals in their field before they come in. A lot of them already have a long practice. Um, and, and so I do have to be able to convince them a little bit that I'm worth listening to. And it, sometimes it takes longer than others, mm -hmm. sometimes, but, um, but yeah, authority is a thing. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it. I like the idea of just being that I'd not, maybe not buddy teacher, right. but like older sibling, right. just <laughs> like here I informing you on, on what you're going to have to deal with later. But yeah, once in a while, um, and depending on the student their authority does become a thing. Yeah, I think we all have to find out. I mean, maybe credibility is a better word. I don't know. But mm. I think we all have to find our way to that. Um, and it, yeah, it's different with different students, I think, as you say. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you one thing, um, which I've, I ask this to my students. I, I do this thing in, in class, uh, in my writing class. Or actually, I try to do it in every class, which I call the question of the day. Mm. And uh, it's a way to make sure everybody gets a chance to speak every day in class. So at the beginning of class, instead of taking um, role, I just ask a question and then I go around and everybody answers the question. That's a great idea. Yeah, it usually takes about 10 minutes, which some people might say, well, that's too much, but I, I think it builds rapport. Anyway, sure. I didn't come here to talk about that. No. Um, but I'm going to ask you the same question of the day that I asked my students yesterday, okay. which was, imagine that you are given um, the ability to make a policy change at your institution. Um, it could be related to, in fact, maybe I'll, I'll focus you a little on, uh, relating to perhaps writing or language or um, you know, these types of things. Imagine you're given that opportunity to make a policy change or to set the, the direction um, mm. that that goes in at your institution. What might you do? Oh, my. Um. Like, let's imagine maybe it's a new course that oh, you get to teach. I or would a... definitely start a creative writing oh, uh, major. That just seems like a no-brainer. I know, right? We've been, we're trying to make it happen. But yeah. I think, I think I would probably raise the the bar of, or not the bar we have some really cool really great creative writers and we have a we do have a couple classes um, and we also have a, a whole bunch of super talented graphic um, comic book artists oh, right. graphic yeah. novel yeah. people who are interested in writing graphic novels man what if there was a graphic novel program there that would should be, incredible. be there yeah. should be a creative writing 
program with like studio classes where we could do graphic novel and and like comic and like and then uh, or and uh, you know there are a lot of artists who um, who integrate text into their work uh, in really inventive ways um, or even like work with the genre of um, of of art writing in really mm. interesting ways. So yeah, that's what I would do. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Erica, for for being here. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Language U is sponsored by SFU's Center for English Language Learning, Teaching, and Research. Visit our website, sfuselter.ca. I'm Joel Hanghartsey, your host. This podcast is produced by Quincy Wong and Selter. Our music is by Andrew Best. For more music and cool synthesizers, visit blamsoft.com. Thanks for listening. We can't spell language without you. That's why I want to hear from you. If there's a guest that you'd like to hear, if you'd like to be a guest, if there's some topic you think we should be addressing on Language U, send me an email. It's jhanghar at sfu.ca. That's j-h-e-n-g-h-a-r at sfu.ca.